and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about managing anhydrous ammonia on today's program. We're also going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we'll dive into the Ag PhD mailbag as well and answer your emails. You can, of course, send in questions or soil tests or pictures to radio at agphd.com. All right, so just to start things off here on anhydrous ammonia, give you our general thoughts. We do get a lot of questions on this. First of all, I would say we like anhydrous ammonia. It's dangerous. you got to be careful. But it's a good source of nitrogen. The reason why we like it so much is because it converts over to ammonium just about right away. And then hopefully it's going to stay in that ammonium form for a while. So especially if you use a nitrogen stabilizer, you can put it out late in the fall when the soil temp is cool and feel pretty comfortable that at least in heavy soils is pretty well going to be there come spring. So that's great. Now, as I say that, every area is a little bit different. We talk about this often on the show. We're, we're, we're reaching a big audience here all across the United States and Canada. So where we farm is in South Dakota, the upper Midwest of the United States, and the ground freezes for at least four months out of the year and a lot of times five. So when I put something out, let's call it two or three weeks before freeze up, and then I plant right as the frost is coming out of the ground, it's almost like putting that nitrogen out there in the spring. The thing too with anhydrous is you're going to put it down into the ground a little ways. So let's say you're going six, eight inches deep, something like that. Well, if you're going to pull a shank six or eight inches deep in our geography in the spring, yeah, good luck. Because a lot of years it's too wet, six or eight inches deep, but it's fit to plant. Okay, so my point is if you wanted to put anhydrous on in the spring, you'd have to wait to plant and, I mean, it's, that's probably fine. It is fine in most cases if you're planting silage. But if you're planting grain corn and going for maximum yield and you have quite a few acres to do, it's, it's probably not going to work. And so that's the reason why we like putting anhydrous out in the fall. But we feel pretty comfortable that it'll be there, that, that nitrogen come spring, whereas we don't if you're talking liquid urea, or sorry, liquid 28% or urea dry. Either, either of those sources... I just worry because it's going to be nitrate about right away and you you just have more risk for loss. Now, we've complained for the last three years here that we it seems like it feels like we almost never get rain. Now we're supposed to in the next couple of days, of course, uh, just when we don't need it. But anyway, my point is, I mean, sure, if you don't have rain, then you don't have to worry about nitrate leaching anyway. Okay, so it's no big deal. But with and hydrous ammonia, we do like putting it out in the fall. We do like going with the nitrogen stabilizer, and we do feel pretty comfortable that it's going to be there in the spring if you time things out right and you plant early. So there are a lot of good things with anhydrous ammonia, but some people will say, well, wait a second. I hear that anhydrous ammonia kills a lot of soil life. Well, if you've ever been around anhydrous ammonia, you know that it's pretty lethal, okay? But the good news is your soil is big. It's vast. It's got an unbelievable amount, an uncountable amount of living organisms in it. And while you may kill a bunch of them off in the short term, a lot of times they come back fairly quickly. 
Francis Childs was the world record corn grower for many years, 400 plus bushel corn, and he used anhydrous ammonia. So if he can raise world record yields, I'm not that concerned that we're going to get hurt. All right, uh, we're going to go to the phone lines now. Got Gary calling in from up in Saskatchewan. Hey, Gary, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Great. So I hear you had a comment about uh, Neil Kinsey's book and him talking about anhydrous a little bit. Yeah, I was just reading it the other night again, and he had stated in there that uh, if you use anhydrous ammonia to get the same amount of nitrogen effective as urea, you have to use 20% more. We've never found that to be true, and we've done a lot of tests on that over the years. In fact, my dad was very convinced that if we used anhydrous, we could actually use less of the anhydrous than we could of either urea or 28%. Now, I wouldn't go into that camp, but he was convinced that anhydrous was the best source, it was the most efficient source, it was where he got the most yield, and that's the direction he wanted to go. So no, believe me, we have studied that and studied it. We have not found that to be true. Now, here's the thing. With Neil, I don't know what context that was in. So we'll have him on the show again here soon, I'm sure, and he's going to be back doing a workshop with us in... uh, four months or so. So we'll ask him that specific question and have him explain that a little more because sometimes um, he, he, he may not necessarily have in his book all the total explanation of what really happened and where he picked that up and who he'd been working with that had done that. So maybe there are certain soil types or it's timing or something else. I don't know, again, what context we're talking. Because if you lose some and you put the anhydrous out in the fall, well, then, of course, you could get by with less uh, if it's timed properly with urea or, uh, or, or 28%. But, yeah, as a general statement, We believe it's absolutely just as efficient pound for pound of actual nitrogen as urea or 28%. All right. Okay. Um, In a somewhat related question, uh, I've been talking to some people about using soil conditioners on our saline areas in the field. Yes. High sodium, uh, high salts, very high CEC. You get a tenth of an inch of rain after a drought and it still pools on top and yep. trying to open up the ground between our tile to let things flush through. And I don't know if you know any more about these soil conditioners, but every one of them I've talked to seem to be of a mindset that we're killing the ground with anhydrous. Glyphosate's causing problems. Um, <laughs> shouldn't be using fungicide or insecticide. Uh, you know where I'm going. I do. I'll tell you what, Gary, that's a, that's a good topic. I, I will answer that question right after this break. If you want to hang on with us, you sure can. Uh, otherwise, I'll, we'll talk about it one way or the other right after this. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Hey, Fred, how's harvest coming? Well, got to take care of my STDs. Your what? <laughs> my soil transmitted disease. Got white mold spreading in my bean fields again. Foliar fungicides alone just aren't cutting it, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Fred, get ahead of the spread. My agronomist highly recommends Contans WG from Sipcam Agro. It's definitely your solution to control white mold at its source. Huh, thanks, Joe. I'm calling my retailer today for Contans WG. 
You've done it, your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code Acres at agrisacademy.com. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio and today we're talking a little about anhydrous ammonia. Right before the break we were visiting with Gary from Saskatchewan who said, okay, so first of all, uh, to answer the question about soil conditioners used on soils that just won't absorb any water. I used to not be a believer in that at all and I will say, if we can fix the soil, you shouldn't need any of that stuff. So long term, hopefully you can get away from that. But anyway, I used to not be a believer in that stuff at all until it was probably 15 years ago. And there's a company we do a lot of work with in terms of spray adjuvants. And they were just taught, well, actually, I'll tell you, it was Precision Labs. And so occasionally on the show, we'll have Jim Reese on. He's a just a wealth of knowledge. And so they have a lot of great people and they do a lot of work with golf courses. And I said, okay, so what are you doing with golf courses? And they go, well, we're using these water conditioning agents or soil conditioning, however you want to look at it, so we can get infiltration because a lot of times on these greens, they're just not getting it. And to Gary's point, yeah, it could be sodium. It could be saline. I mean, there are problems out there in the soils that, I mean, yes, obviously if we fix those in the long term, we don't need these things. But in the short term, if you're trying to get water into the ground, they, ab they have products that absolutely work and help get the water into the ground. So that's great. And so anyway, I, if you want to try some of those things, I have no issue with that. Just give it a shot. Try some different products. Try some different rates. As we always say, try it on a small scale. See if it works for you and then take it from there. Okay, but anyway, he had made the comment that some of these people are saying, well, anhydrous is killing your soil, and fungicide is bad, and Roundup's killing the soil too. Um, none of those things are true at all. No possible chance. We've studied it for years. The Roundup thing, just so let me step back. We talked about this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago on the show. It was probably 15 years ago or something. Uh, there was a 
uh, a former professor out of, I don't remember, Illinois or Indiana somewhere. And he, he was going around saying, oh, Roundup's tying up all the micronutrients and stuff and killing the soil and all these terrible things. And you no, know, it absolutely wasn't. So here's what we did. We put a 100x Roundup rate on ground two years in a row, right next to ground that had never had Roundup on it before. It was uh, it was turf grass, and it had always been, and so I know it had never had Roundup on it. And so anyway, we compared the two things, put corn and soybeans into both, and ran tissue tests the whole season long, continued to do soil tests, everything else. We found absolutely no negative impact from the Roundup. So two years in a row, 100x rate. So over a two-year period, that is a 200 times rate. So in other words, what you're going to put on in 100 years, we did it in two years. And that didn't have any negative impact on the soil, the yield, the micronutrients, nothing. So we proved that to be absolutely false. And yeah, people are talking about anhydrous, it's bad, and fungicide. Look, we're only using a little bit of stuff one time, and it just doesn't hurt a whole lot. It's just like when we kill beneficial insects. Do I like that? Of course I don't. I'd love to save beneficial insects, but sometimes harmful insects are out there at such high levels. We have to get them under control or we're going to get killed. And we, if we as farmers go broke, then all of a sudden our world's got a major problem with food shortage and everything else, and then you end up in wars. So we as farmers have to do our job. We have to raise great crops, not just good. It has to be great. The world needs food, and if people don't have food and relatively inexpensive food, we got major, major problems. So anyway, no, there's no problem with anhydrous other than, sure, in the short term, we're going to kill some stuff. You bet we are. But things are going to come back, and they're going to come back fast. Fungicide, I'm not worried about that at all. Roundup, we've proven that to not be true. So, Gary, hopefully that helps you out a little bit. There are all kinds of myths out there and a lot of people spreading bad rumors with no good data to back it up. And, you know, when any of these things pop up, we try to run studies so we can disprove them or prove them right. We just want to find out one way or the other. Is Roundup bad? That's why we were testing it. I don't care. I don't need Roundup if it's bad. But we found out it had no negative impact whatsoever. That answer your questions well, there, Gary? You're right there. and I'm still here. Yeah, the, the yep. facts are the important part. You're right. Yep. Uh, so I question the soil conditioner people. Out, what's your active ingredient? I want to know the chemistry if we're sure. going to put it on our land. And yep. then I know for myself, yeah, that makes sense or it doesn't. Yeah. Well, they got pretty defensive, actually very defensive, very quickly and very vague and never really did answer beyond saying there's some plant extracts and ammonium laurel sulfate, but they wouldn't tell me what strength it was. <laughs> yep. So that that that's what gets frustrating is when people are trying to sell you something, but they don't want to explain what they're selling you. Uh, but again, I will say there are some of these soil conditioning, water conditioning agents, however you want to look at it, uh, that actually can help you. So I, I would keep searching around a little bit. I don't know what all is labeled and approved up in Canada. I just know some of the things that are approved here, and I, I'm comfortable with that. Hey, Gary, thanks for the call today. Really appreciate it. Good luck up there. Thank you. You bet. Well, we had some questions about anhydrous, and that's the topic of our show today. So we'll turn to our friend Brooks down in Missouri to talk a little about anhydrous. How's it going, Brooks? Good. How are you guys this afternoon? Good, good. How's harvest coming down there? 
it's coming along great. We started on corn and ran all couple hundred acres, and then we had uh, beans drying. So we've been trying to hit the beans as hard as we can while we, you know, make hail the sunshine and all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know anhydrous is a big part of the business for you guys too, and it's a little early yet, but that, that day's coming soon on the anhydrous. We had the question uh, uh, from Gary here just a minute ago, and he asked, what's the efficiency of using anhydrous versus urea or other forms of nitrogen? How, how do you guys figure it out? Is a pound of N a pound of N? Uh, kind of, yes. Uh, what, what makes us... What we have decided is we can put it on it so early in the fall that it, it saves us time in the spring, and you know we can do it in a, in a much larger, um, quicker. I feel like, and so uh, that's that's why we feel it's more efficient. Yeah, we used to do a lot of fall anhydrous too, and and the thought for it, we got so much manure now that we've got to work with, but uh, we used to do a lot of fall anhydrous, and and our thought too is that was that was the safest form of N that we could use. Uh, that we wouldn't lose it in the fall versus versus something like urea. Right, right. You know, you, you've got customers that you're putting anhydrous on. How, how do they figure it? Do they look at, well, I'm going to put on 200 pounds for 200 bushel corn, or are they putting on a portion of it when they do a fall lap? Uh, what, what kind of rates do you guys normally look for? I think that most of our customers, uh, that, that's what you said, they, you know, they put it on for 200 for 200 and they put it on in the fall. And that's, I don't think that anybody has any, any extra uh, spring applications. Uh, our customers don't. And so, like, like you say, 200 for 200. You know, Brian mentioned too, he said, well, he goes, you got to be smart about using anhydrous. The safety thing is a big deal. You guys obviously have been doing it for a long time. What are some of the key safety things that you'd advise for farmers putting on anhydrous this fall? You don't don't over-exaggerate how well you know it. You, it can always sneak up and bite you. You know, you know, you feel like you've been around it for so long it hasn't happened, so it's not going to happen, and that's that's when it happens. And so, it, you, use your PPE and, and, and just be careful. And if you're tired, uh, take a break, uh, collect your wits, and don't do anything silly. All right, here's another question that's come up this year, and I actually saw somebody putting anhydrous on already. And I saw gas coming out. And I thought, number one, why are they out there now? Number two, I can see it. I can see it leaving. That's not a good thing. What do you do in these dry conditions when it's super, super dry? Do you just wait? I mean, I know it's hard to wait, but sometimes isn't that the best move? Yes, yes. Actually, last last year we got done. You know, usually we get the combine and we change the oil and everything. And then put the the harvest equipment away and get the anhydrous rigs ready and and hit it hard. But last year it was so warm and so dry when we got done combining. We actually took a week, week and a half to let the soils um, try to collect some moisture and, and try to cool off a little bit. But like I said, we don't uh, we don't have any inserve, so we kind of are at the mercy of Mother Nature. And so we waited week and a half before we could actually apply nitrogen last fall. That's uh, hard. So to... I don't know if we'll have to do that again this year. So. Yeah, it's hard to do, and you got to adjust year to year, no doubt about it. Hey, Brooks, good luck to you guys. Good talking to you. See you later. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, sides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... 
You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. From the moment the first seed is in the ground, your days until harvest are numbered. Each day, every decision leads to your bottom line. So when it comes to harvest, rely on the only combine built to deliver the numbers you deserve. The Kloss Lexion gives you the quality, efficiency, reliability, and precision that make every minute count. Go ahead, let the numbers drive you with a Lexion Combine built by Kloss. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, talking about managing anhydrous ammonia on today's program. We're also taking your calls and questions throughout the show. It's harvest season. It's fertility season. It's soil testing season. It's manure spreading season. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. If you've got questions, we'd love to help. 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head up to Ontario, Canada. Got Patrick on with us right now. How's it going, Patrick? Uh, pretty good. How's it going for you guys? Well, good. We got some rain in the forecast, so everybody's getting a little nervous here and, and getting a little jumpy, going at it pretty hard out in the field. How about up there? Uh, nothing's happening. We've gotten some light rains in the last, I'd say, four days, so everything's at a standstill. There's not much of anything really done yet. Okay. 
you know, we're we're starting to think, well, with silage and whatnot on our farm, we're we're ahead of the game here at this point anyway, and that can certainly change. We get a big rain or something, but starting to think about some of these fertility topics. One of them that we get a lot of questions around is anhydrous. Uh, understand you've got a little experience with that. What what recommendations would you give to to other farmers if they're considering anhydrous in the fall? Well, for me, it's one of I. I like using it. The problem is in Ontario, there's no more suppliers left for it. The logistics is is pretty much gone. Uh, but I mean, uh, if anybody was going to use it, I mean, it's just take your time with it and think before you do something, because uh, you know it it can hurt you. But I mean, it's probably one of the best products out there. Yeah, we've we've used this product too in the past. We're we're more on manure right now for the fall, but uh, anhydrous has certainly been a good source of nitrogen out there. And you're right, you you just got to slow down a little bit. I know the fall season gets to be so busy and everybody's going 100 miles an hour, but uh, taking your time and thinking about safety every single time you're doing anything is is super important with that. Uh, on your farm this year, if anhydrous is not available, do you just skip fall in entirely, or have you found a different way to do things? We we around where I am, we can't do fall in. Our our CEC is uh, anywhere from I'd say like seven to one, and it it would leach out way too easy. Um, when we did anhydrous, it was always uh, side dressing uh, on the corn with it. And it worked extremely well for that because um, if you did get, you know, some heavier rains, that tooth would help, um, you know, loosen the ground up and, and you would see an instant response like within two to three days after doing it. Yeah, the side dress thing is something we, we had not done before, but I agree with you. In those lighter soils, it's probably better to put that in on a little closer to when, when you need that. Um, you said harvest hasn't really gotten going up there. Are you going to be in beans first, or is there some corn yeah. that's just going to have to come out? Well, they're talking a sunny day tomorrow, and then after that it's supposed to rain again. And uh, a friend of mine did a moisture sample on corn today, and it was 31%, so that's a little out of, that's a little too wet to get diving into that, I think. And it's it's not super late yet either, so... No, no, it's definitely not super late yet. And uh, we're talking with Patrick up in Ontario. Uh, a lot of folks think, man, he's way up in Ontario. Uh, no, Ontario is pretty much about like where we farm here, uh, about the same climate, about the same uh, latitude and, and uh, planting the same maturities, those types of things. And I agree with you. Guys here aren't in that kind of panic that we don't have lots of time. We, we typically try and get things done by Halloween. How about, how about there, Patrick? Same thing, same thing. Um, if I can get a couple days at beans, I'll uh, I'll be done. And uh, yeah, I I try to be done, you know, within the first week of November because you know after you start getting past the fifteenth, you know, weather weather can be either really good or the opposite. So yes. Yeah, well, hopefully this fall is one of those that we can get a lot of stuff done here when harvest is over. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking a little time out today to chat with us. You bet. See you guys. It's a little bit south from there. We've got Emerson Nafziger on, uh, University of Illinois. How are you doing, Emerson? I'm doing great. 
You know, we're talking about anhydrous today, and boy, has that changed just in my lifetime. When I was growing up, this used to be, boy, so many farmers in our area were using anhydrous, and then fewer and fewer suppliers handling it. Uh, What's happening over in Illinois? Is that still available? Is it still a popular practice, or is it kind of going away too? I would say that going away it happened uh, some years ago, just like you observed, and it was a safety thing. Um, I don't know exactly, but I imagine the margins may be a little bit better with um, the liquid forms. But, but, you know, dangerous material for sure, and we had an accident in Illinois just recently. Um, it was a road, a, a road truck, so it wasn't didn't have to do with farm equipment, but it was anhydrous. And uh, it isn't used only for fertilizer. It's a refrigerant and used for some other things, too. But it's nasty material if it gets out in the air. But, yeah, it's still widely available. Um, It's typically been uh, considerably cheaper per pound of nitrogen than any other form. And urea has tinkered with it at some points or come close to the price. But urea, dry urea is not a form that a lot of people are putting a lot of dependence on. Uh, they may be putting some of the specialty ex- uh, extended release forms out as urea, but, uh, you know, anhydrous and UAN are probably numbers one and two, and I'm not sure which one's first. But the UAN doesn't doesn't factor into what we do in the fall, and anhydrous is, if we're going to put nitrogen on in the fall, it really needs to be anhydrous in Illinois. You know, we had a, a question earlier today about the efficiency of anhydrous, and I know when the timing is so different, if you say, well, gosh, I put anhydrous on in the fall and I put urea on in the spring, uh, I can certainly see that uh, there, there could be some differences if you spread exactly the same amount of pounds with that many months in between. But but normally, would you figure anhydrous, uh, a pound of N, uh, is the same as a pound of N coming from urea? You know, it's a really tough question. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, we did an extensive experiment. I did it with Dan Schaefer, IFCA, and uh, we had side-by-side comparisons of fall-applied uh, ammonia and spring-applied ammonia. We did not compare it to spring-applied UAN. We think spring-applied UAN generally is pretty efficient. Uh, Ammonia has one big advantage. That is, it's the form that stays put in the soil better than anything else we put out there. And that's for two reasons. One, it sort of sterilizes where it it lands a little bit. It's nasty stuff to all living creatures, including soil bacteria. And the bacteria that transform it to nitrate, they're the ones that we're a little concerned about, especially in the fall, because nitrate's the form that can move and can get to the tile line. So if we put it out this early, you know, we're not, if it's too early right now to put it out. We really want soil temperatures to be 50 degrees or less, and we want them to stay there. Anytime it gets up, even at 50 degrees, there's some transformation of the ammonium to nitrate. And whenever it's nitrate, then it can move downward whenever water moves through the soil. We don't have, that doesn't happen rapidly in Illinois, but I averaged over, I think it was 17 trials, we found that the yield, we could get the same yield, and these were both full rate trials, so we were doing the comparison right, and we could get the same yield with fall or spring applied ammonia. It took about 15 to 20 pounds more ammonia to get that yield if we put it on in the fall, and so we think that that, that 
ties in pretty nicely with the losses that we've measured coming out of tile lines. And so as a, as a practice, if it, we could always get it on in the spring with no problem, we'd put it on in the spring. It just stays where it's put a little bit better than if we put it on in the fall. If we get a really wet March and April, and if we get uh, weather during the winter where it warms up enough to get nitrate formation started, then we can lose a fair amount. So it's it's really up and down, but it certainly would not be uh, fair to call it, you know, an inferior uh, application to put fall anhydrous on. We do think it probably ought to have a stabilizer, a Centuro, and serve one of those with sure, it. Sure. Try to keep it in that ammonium form a little bit longer. Like you but, say, yeah, just inherent, inherently, it's, it's that it's that form that stays put in the soil. And you're right; if you add something like an Enserve type product to uh, help it even more, that's a good deal as well. Emerson, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Stay tuned; we'll be right back. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time, adapted to their surroundings, experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. Get the best deals of the season through December 15th. Learn more at dragooffers.com. When it comes to combines, capacity and costs keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss Combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at Kloss.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. 
Case IH, built by farmers. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about managing anhydrous ammonia and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Rich on up in Ontario right now. Let's talk a little about hay production. How you doing, Rich? Hey. Hey, um, yeah, cheers from Canada, boys. How you doing? Good. We're doing well. Okay, you can hear me okay. You bet. Listen, um, yeah, uh, fifth generation family farm here. It's not a big operation. It w- once was, but scaled down a little bit uh, after my dad um, uh, got sick and then eventually passed away. Seeded seeded all the fields down. He grew multiple multiple crops, and uh, but I seeded everything down because it was just more manageable. And ever since then, I've been um, I've been uh, overseeding. I, I mix it in with the with the fertilizer in the in the spring and the fall triple 19 in in the spring and then 624 24 in the fall with the overseed some legumes and some grassy hay it's mostly grassy hay and uh i've had pretty good luck with double cut red clover um and i'm just wondering i've i've kept good weed control i've had pretty good luck with it and but moving forward just need your advice on how to build, even build up the stocks even more. Um, I hope I'm doing the right thing here, um, so on and so forth. So I, it's a, I, I grow the hay for a local farmer who feeds it to his beef cattle. So sure. That's so, about all, guys. And yeah. Okay, so... I so, t- take your... Well, no, here, here's my question for you, Rich. Uh, do you have soil tests? Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind, send those to us. Radio at agphd.com is our email address. Okay. And then we can take All a right. look at those. Because that's probably one of the biggest things that we're... I mean, if, if you listen to the show at all, we, we talk about drainage first, fertility next. Right. And then after that, we're focused on weed, insect, and disease control, maybe some biologicals, things like that. So, I, I mean, okay. I, I really want to look at how are we doing fertility on the fertility end? Because that's where we can have the biggest jump. So... When, when we okay. start talking about, like, let's say it is biologicals or insecticide or some of these things, you're going to gain something, but it probably isn't going to be as much as the gain if we get our fertility right and if we have our drainage good. So let me ask you, on the drainage side, do you have any issues that way or is it fairly well drained? No, no, there's some, there's some like, knolls, like highland, there's a little sure. bit of lowland, but yep. but there's not a lot of, of drainage issues, yep. but... and. What about the eye test? Like, I mean, it, it seems to be, you know, getting a little bit thicker every year. Good. And, and, and such. But, uh, you know, I, I just hope I'm doing the right thing right now, but maybe I could do better. That's all. <laughs> yep, I'm with you. <laughs> so, but you said weeds, you feel pretty good. Um, and then you haven't yeah. really noticed a whole lot for insects or diseases or anything? No, good. no, it's it's pretty good up here. It's, it's kind of clayish soil. Yep, I, I'm up here, like in the kind of in the GTA area outside of Toronto. It's a, sure, you know, it's an old farming community. But if you, um, it's like honest, very honest soil. You uh, you get back what you put in, and, mm-hmm. and if you're lucky, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, and great. I've, I've treated it well mm-hmm. over the years, and you know, I'm 
it's treated me well, and but I still want to build up the stocks even more. Yes. So when you talk about building up the stocks, I'm going to focus typically on potassium, but copper and manganese yeah. are two other little things. So, yeah, if you want to send okay. me the soil tests, I'll take a look at it. Otherwise, I'll be honest, if I don't have soil tests, I'm just kind of guessing. Yeah, okay. But it seems to be friendly towards potash, and soil seems to like double-cut red clover overseed. I mix it in with the fertilizer. I have my own spreader, sure. and I do it myself. Sure. So. I've had pretty good luck that way. Anyway, yeah. now, okay, I, guys, I, oh, I, listen, yeah. I listen to you guys all the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Hey, one last thing, uh, Richard, that I would throw yeah. out is a lot of times the legumes can provide some nitrogen for the grass, but I mean, okay. it doesn't sound to me like you're putting lots of nitrogen on and sulfur is another thing. So, I mean, immediately right. my first thought is nitrogen and sulfur can really help you potentially, and I'd at least be trying right. some more, at least if you do it in okay. strips or half fields or whatever, and you'll see the difference there. But I, I, I'm, I really would come back to when you talk about stocks and I want better stocks, then that's almost always potash. So if you send me those soil tests, I'll take a look at that right. side and we can go from there. Okay, one more point. Sure. I just, yeah, like... I, the triple 19, it's kind of tried, tested, and true up here. Yep. So there's, you know, there's some in nitrogen, obviously. Yeah. But in the fall, I, I, I kind of lean towards the soil and the and the roots for the winter. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I just go 6, 24, 24. Yes. But maybe maybe I need urea in the spring type of deal. Yes. Who knows, like yes. more nitrogen. But yes. Or in, okay. the, or in the middle of the summer. So, yeah, I, I don't know for yeah. sure. But, yeah. I, I mean, my guess is you're going to need more nitrogen and sulfur at some point okay. uh, in the spring or summer. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now, now what about um, okay. what about mixing it, the, the overseed in with, with the uh, fertilizer? Because I've done that. I've had, like, a one uh, specialized overseed mix. It was, like, half, half uh, legumes. Mm -hmm. half grassy hay it seemed to work pretty well and i'm i just throw it right in with the fertilizer and mix it with a hockey stick of course mm -hmm. and then spread it, spread it on the field and yeah, let's put it this way. If it's working, I guess I'm probably not going to tell you to change it, but I, we get a little concerned right. because some of these legumes do have allelopathy. When you throw more legumes out there, then they'll kill them off or try to kill right. them off. Uh, so yeah. sometimes that can be a little challenging, but like I say, if it's working, you're not spending a whole lot of money. I'm not that worried about it. And if you if you're telling me, hey, it's getting right. thicker, I'm I'm having good. Uh, I don't have any real big issues with weeds, insects, or diseases. I'm not gonna encourage you to change a whole lot here. Okay, so I I'd, I'd probably recommend yeah. tweaks rather than major changes. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's yeah. I I appreciate that. Okay. All right. And like I say, love your show and take care. Okay. Yep. You too. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Oh, okay. You're welcome. Yeah, great questions there from Rich, and, and oftentimes we talk about other crops, and there's lots of different ways to do things. Uh, I mean, we raise a lot of corn and soybeans here. We do some alfalfa hay as well, and it's been interesting just seeing what the opportunities are. I, I like that idea that that um, that Rich had. Hey, uh, Dad's, Dad's getting out of the operation. It, it's a time for me to make some changes to make things a little more manageable. And when you think about the fertility piece of that, uh, that, that makes a big deal. Got two minutes before the break. Uh, 
And we got an excellent guest coming up. We got uh, Doug Goring on there right now from North Dakota Farms and is also an ag commissioner up there. Doug, how are you doing? Doing well. Good to talk to you guys. You know, I think it's interesting that we actually have a farmer that's in a position to do some, do some policy change. Thank you so much for fighting for us. We really appreciate that. Oh, well, um, it's my first love. I enjoy working with all of my colleagues, uh, help influence some change, bring some reality to the discussion at times. Uh, sometimes people forget what we're dealing with out here and how we need to deal with it. And in the upper Midwest, we bring a unique uh, perspective to, uh, you know, things that are taking place, uh, at least in the northern half of the U.S. But not only that, we produce so many different commodities up here. We can bring a different perspective on different growing conditions, uh, different plants, different pests, pathogens, and uh, techniques. So it's a real opportunity to uh, work with my colleagues to you know, create some change and bring issues forward. Well, it's quite different farming here in the Dakotas than in other parts of this country. And uh, I like that there's a perspective here from a farmer who's familiar with what we're dealing with. Uh, it's been interesting just to watch you from afar here, Doug, and, and some of the work that you've been doing. I want to talk, we're up against a break here, but I want I want to talk to you a little yeah. bit about some of the work you've done on anhydrous ammonia and just fighting regulation, uh, helping to improve safety and training and these types of things. Uh, it's it's been a great model for for others to take a look at. Uh, we're talking again. We're talking with Doug Goring from North Dakota. He's an ag commissioner up there and also a fellow farmer. Uh, also, our phone lines are open. If you get a question for us, it's eight four four forty four AG PhD. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit mcfarlandag.com to find your closest dealer. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now, 
You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, seed-applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we're broadcasting from the Morton studio. We're talking about managing anhydrous, and it's one thing to manage it on your farm. It's another thing to manage it for a whole state and really to fight a lot of the regulation and help improve safety training uh, with this industry. And that's something that Doug Goring's done up in North Dakota as an ag commissioner and a farmer as well. Doug, uh, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, obviously, we've seen the changes in this industry, the the <laughs> regulations that have come on, and North Dakota's really yeah. fought a lot of that. What what have you done on that? So one of the approaches we took early on in my career was to look at uh, compliance assistance, and it virtually means what it says. Let's go out and help industry become compliant. It's it's not just working with each one of the farmers, but it's also working with the dealers, uh, working with the manufacturers, the fa- the, those facilities that are making it, making sure that everybody's in compliance. We are one of the only states in the nation that has this very specific delegation, and we've had EPA up that oversees our risk management program for uh, the anhydrous facilities we have in the state and dealers and so on and so forth. We also work with uh, the state highway patrol to make sure that we're all on the same page, understanding that when we're talking about those nurse tanks that are being uh, towed around, going down the highway, things to be looking for, things that we can convey and make sure that farmers are aware of. This is all about education and outreach it's not about playing the gotcha game and and really hitting people hard i remember early on we were dealing with a lot of high risk violations now mostly it's it's just minor low risk violations and actually our compliance uh per tank is right around 90% in the nation. So that's that's very, very high for a regulatory program. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It, it just takes a lot of work to to fight all those battles with all those agencies and and whatnot. Uh, you know, I know that's not the only thing that you've worked on in North Dakota, but uh, it's certainly been one that that's caught our attention. What are some of the other big issues that you're right now going on and and things that farmers should be aware of? Well. I tell you what, I believe everybody needs to be engaged in a few other issues that have come up here recently. And, and you know, whether we want to talk about the past six months, the past year, the past several years, but WOTUS, which is certainly uh, an overreach of the federal government. But we've also taken a next, another step in the same direction, but it's using a different program. And that is uh, this draft mitigation uh, strategy that's coming out from EPA. Um, people, I don't think, clearly understand how that's being designed, what it's meant to do. It ultimately will put uh, it will put decisions about how you are going to farm and manage. Uh, it'll make it somewhat prescriptive, or just by the nature of eliminating certain things that you can't do now. And it comes back to a land use and um, somewhat prescriptive on how we're going to be moving forward. And these are some of the things we fought back in North Dakota with WOTUS, which was certainly all about land use because it would have given, in North Dakota's case, 80% of the authority to the federal government over our land, which then they can look at every watershed and determine how many cows should be out there. If you're farming, how much fertilizer can you use? What type of pesticides can you use? Well, now when you look at this draft mitigation strategy, that's the same thing. They're using endangered species to start to manage and control how we are producing food for our country, how we're driving an economy, and how we are also uh, offering good, high-quality, affordable, safe, abundant food to the rest of the world. So it's got us concerned. There's there's multiple issues we're watching, and uh, but it seems like every time we turn around, there's something new that seems to be coming down the road. Yeah, that is scary. I know Brian and I have gotten to travel abroad a little bit. I'm sure you have too, and you see some of the the onerous regulations on farmers in other parts of the world where you're right, where there's some agency telling them how to farm, which uh, we know the best thing for, for the farm is, is the family farmer that lives on the farm that understands the land that cares for it. Uh, I know you're raising your family on the farm and, uh, and around the farm and around farms all over North Dakota. Uh, and, and you just know how big a deal it is with safety and, and making those decisions yeah. yourself. Absolutely. You know, and, and I probably should stress one other point, and I, I believe it at least exists for most of the Midwest. When I talked about utilizing compliance assistance, it really goes to the nature of the people in our culture. People don't inherently want to break the law or do something wrong. So if you tell them, you show them, I mean, it, the one thing we changed from the way EPA was addressing this, they used to come in and throw a manual at these dealers and these facilities and uh, say, we'll be back. Well, we go in, we hand them the manual, and yes, it may be three inches thick, 
but we'll work through it. We'll talk through it and we'll show them areas where they need to be compliant. Then we'll come back several weeks later and check to see where they're at in, in this whole procedure, kind of doing a pre-audit type of, of uh, practice there. And we give them three months to really understand what that is before we start the inspection. And uh, we've avoided violations. We've avoided having all types of problems within these facilities. And we've avoided uh, having to saddle them with uh, a burden of a, a huge fine, which quite frankly, we know gets passed on to the customer and the customer happens to be all of our farmers out there. So if you can at least step up and help people, they want to do the right thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think people, you're right. People inherently want to do the right thing. They don't want to be in trouble. We, we want to do stuff right. We just need to understand how to do that and, and how it's going to be best for us on the farm as well. Talking about anhydrous today, I know, uh, like you mentioned, to start things off, North Dakota and South Dakota, just a little bit different than if we were farming in Texas or somewhere else that's warm most of the year. It gets cold up here. Things yep. things freeze. We know, we know we've got limited time to get a lot done. I know for us on our farm over the years, anhydrous, uh, whether that be a late fall application or uh, as early as we could possibly do it in the spring has been a nice way to do that. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things too. We just want that nitrogen in the right form that we don't have issues. Is nitrogen a big concern in your state? Is that something I know we've seen uh, states like Iowa have uh, big concerns, areas like the Chesapeake Bay having big concerns around nitrogen. I know you're watching a lot of these things. Is that one that's a hot topic right now? Well, it's certainly something that we monitor and, and watch. We work with the Department of uh, Environmental Quality uh, because we want to make sure we don't become a poster child for how it's being done wrong. Um, but to that point, we also have to do some educating of the public. And, and case in point, there was uh, several years ago where it was brought up about having an, an impaired body of water. It, it Quite frankly, it was a lake. And there was a stream that was close to it. But uh, when we started to dig into it and look around, uh, it was some phosphorus loading. But there was not a cow and there was no cultivated land anywhere near this lake. But what there was around it was a bunch of cabins. Yeah. And uh, that was the problem. Now, when we sat down and had an honest conversation about this, uh, it got some of the activists to back down, uh, and the Department of Environmental Quality uh, certainly recognized it and continued to support our position on this. But we do have to constantly engage with communities and the public to say, hey, listen, before we just start throwing rocks and blaming agriculture, yes. let's look to see all the sources. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Doug, thank you so much. It's been great having you on. We really appreciate what you're doing. We really appreciate hearing about it as well, just so we've got an idea about some of these issues that are coming up. Good luck to you and your family. I know harvest season's busy, and I know you're also busy with, with uh, this end of your job as well. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> thank you, guys. Take care. You bet. Had a fun discussion around anhydrous ammonia on today's program. If you have any agronomic questions that come up as you're doing things this fall on your farm, please send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our program today. 
Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.